Good morning. In the old stories of scripture, we keep rediscovering our own present day stories. If you look carefully in the lives of those men and women from long ago, in the strangest way, you realize you're staring into your own face. One of the most well-known and one of my favorite Bible stories is the story of Joseph. Even compared to other Bible stories, the story of Joseph is remarkable. No narrative in scripture is more carefully told than his. Unlike many Bible stories and accounts, it is not given in little, tiny, detachable episodes. It's one large, beautifully interwoven account. Less like a series of short stories and more like a novel. Less like a snapshot of life and more like a movie. Joseph is one of the very few Bible characters that we can watch actually from adolescence to young adulthood to middle adulthood all the way through old age. And if you look, you'll see, he wears most of our faces throughout his life. Like Joseph, we are all on a journey that takes us through adolescence, young adulthood, middle adulthood, and old age. And in all of those seasons of life, we come into various life issues, the same ones that Joseph did. This morning, I invite you to find yourself in his life. Listen to his story and listen to yours. Joseph is known for his dreams. Today, I want us to look at his dreams in light of our dreams. First of all, there are three levels of dreaming in the life of a child of God. The first level that you dream about is a dream about yourself. God gives you a dream for what you can be, and if you're wise, you accept it with awe and wonder. The second level of is the testing of dreams. Commalities come, disappointments happen, unforeseen events call for revising that dream, the adjusting of your vision and choosing how much to still believe when you can't quite see it so clearly. The third level of dreaming is when your attention shifts from your own dreams to the dreams of others. You begin to consider others' lives. You listen to the concerns of others. And the question of your life begins to change from who am I to how am I needed and by whom and what. Your dreams grow less concerned with identity and more concerned with purpose. And this happened to Joseph. In the beginning, he dreamed about himself. God gave him this gorgeous vision, but there came a time in his life when this dreamer turned and became a listener of the dreams of others. And he began speaking to their dreams and bringing his gifts to bear on their dreams. And the strangest thing is, it is only when he began listening to the dreams of others that his own original life dreams suddenly came true. How did that happen? Let's listen to his story and find out about ourselves. In the beginning, he had dreamed of being on top of the world, but this morning, we find him at the bottom. At this point in Joseph's life, he is in jail, wrongfully imprisoned. 
Now, maybe being at the bottom helped him become a better lister. When Joseph was dreaming great things, all wrapped up in that coat of many colors, I doubt that he listened to his family very well. But now that he is a prisoner, he finds himself listening to his fellow prisoners. And some of the very best listeners I know learned how to do it in those low, dark places in their life. Sometimes it's there that you come to discover who you are. So one day, Joseph notices that two of his fellow prisoners had troubled faces. And he asked, why are your faces so cast down? And they said, well, we have had dreams and there's no one here to tell us what they mean. Joseph said, interpretation belongs to God. Tell me your dreams. Now, one of the prisoners was Pharaoh's cupbearer, the keeper of the wine. And in his dream, he had seen grapes rapidly growing and had squeezed the grapes and the juice fell into Pharaoh's cup. The other prisoner was Pharaoh's baker. And in his dream, he saw three baskets stacked on top of his head. And in the top basket, lots of food being eaten by lots of birds. And Joseph told them the meaning of their dreams. In three days, the cupbearer would be released from jail and back to his job. And in three days, the baker would be hanged and the birds would eat his body. So sure enough, in three days, the cupbearer got his job back and the baker was hanged. On his way out of prison, the cupbearer winked at Joseph and said, oh, bye, I'll put in a good word for you with Pharaoh. But he never did. The scripture says he did not remember Joseph, but forgot about him. Now, what is that story all about? In Joseph's mind, it probably seemed next to nothing. He hasn't really helped anybody. He didn't keep the baker from dying. He didn't help the cupbearer get his job back. All he has done is ask about their troubled faces and listen to their dreams and gave them the words that God told him to speak. That's all. And when these two passed out of his life, one by death and one by promotion, Joseph probably thought, well, that's the end of that. Only it wasn't. This incident, like so many quiet, forgettable incidents in your life and in mine, was in fact a little tiny seed. You may think that the words that you say and how you listen to others make no measurable difference, but you don't know. You don't know. In this case, Joseph's word was like a seed that stayed hidden in the dark soil of the cupbearer's mind for two whole years without doing a thing. But there came a day when something happened to water that seed, and after all this time, it sprouted. It sprouted into a memory, and it came to bear more fruit in Joseph's life and in the life of a whole nation than anyone could have ever predicted. Now, what stirred that seed in the cup, bearer's mind, was that Pharaoh started dreaming. He had vivid, crazy, wild, troubling dreams, and he asked everyone he could to help him understand them, but no one could. He asked his wizards, his psychics, his psychoanalysts, his astrologers flew in from California, but nobody could tell him what the dreams meant. Until finally, the cupbearer remembered, oh, wait, I met a man in prison, 
and he knows all about dreams. And in a flash, Joseph is brought out of jail, dusted off, and stood before the emperor, blinking before the light. Joseph, I hear you do dreams. God does dreams, sir. Then listen to my dream. I was standing on the banks of the Nile River when out came the, of the river came seven big fat cows, big cows. Then out of that same river came seven of the skinniest, mangiest looking cows you ever saw. Skinny as skeletons and ugly. And they jumped on the big fat cows and they ate them up, but they were still skinny and ugly. And then I had another dream just like it. I saw seven beautiful ears of corn. And then I saw seven shriveled up ears of corn. And the shriveled up ones swallowed the good ones, but they still look shriveled. Joseph, is it something I ate? Is it something that means something? I woke up in a sweat and I can't get this dream out of my mind. Joseph, what does it mean? Sir, God is telling you that seven years of plenty are coming to this land. Record harvests, bumper crops, and then seven years of famine will come. Famine so awful that the good years will be forgotten and your land will be consumed. In the musical, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, which by the way, if you haven't seen that, you should. It's very good. In that musical, Joseph finishes up his report with these words. Noble king, there is no doubt what your dream is all about. All the things you saw in your pajamas were a long-range forecast for your farmers. And I'm sure it crosses your mind what it is you have to find. Find a man to lead you through the famine with a flair for economic planning. But who that man might be, I just don't know. And Pharaoh looked around his court and asked, where are we going to find anyone like this, full of the spirit of God with such a discerning mind? as this man. You, Joseph, I now command you to be head over all of my people, second only to me. Now, if you're familiar with the earlier parts of Joseph's life, you know that his problem is that people keep stripping his robes off of him. And guess what Pharaoh does? With his own hand, he wraps him in a robe, a, robe, a fine linen robe. So instead of the chains of slavery, he lays on him a gold chain and puts his own signet ring on his finger. Joseph is now the prime minister of the empire. The story says that Joseph governs wisely. For seven years, he manages the growing and the gathering of record harvests. And then for seven years, he manages the distribution of food throughout the land to feed hungry people. So hear this. One day, a child of God is listening to the dreams of others and offering them some words. And then soon comes a day when that person is feeding people by the millions, giving them food. Those who are faithful in small things do become responsible over much in time. One, you dream of yourself, hearing God's call to find a vision of feeding others. And then there comes a time in every person's life when you have to ask, what difference will my life actually make in the lives of those in my world? Will my life feed anybody? What is the purpose for the time of my days and the gifts in my hands? These are questions of vocation, 
Now, unfortunately, in the mind of a lot of people, the word vocation has become a synonym for the word career or job. But that's not what I'm talking about. Vocation is calling. It is deeper than job, bigger than career. Your vocation is your whole life's mission in this world. It's your calling, unrepeatable, to fulfill a purpose for your years under God. I love Frederick Buechner's definition of vocation. He says, vocation is the place where your deep joy and the world's deep hunger meet. This is where God is sending you to. Now, this is not just a general call. The purpose is very specific to you, and it is specific to the people you are called to feed. And every single child of God has such a purpose. And sooner or later, every single child of God needs to be asking about it. When was the last time you talked to God about your life's purpose? In today's text, we are told that Joseph was 30 years old when he began his service with Pharaoh. So we give him 14 years with famine and plenty, and then we can say that Joseph gave himself to this feeding project from his early 30s to the mid-40s. So now, we find Joseph entering middle age. And as so many men and women find in that season of life, in the middle adulthood time, it is time to come to terms with the issue of vocation, of your calling. And some of you are ready to ask the question, God, what is my purpose here? And you're ready to pray, Lord, save me from the fate of living the rest of my life serving too trivial a purpose. I don't want to have lived my life for nothing. Lord, how do I rise to make a difference where it really counts? More middle adults are wrestling with the vocation issue than any other, and some change careers, and some go back to school, and some invest themselves in their work so that they can remain free to do more of what their real calling is, hearing others' dreams, making church happen, serving God, feeding hungry people. So if you are in the middle years, adulthoods, however you define it, and if there is this gnawing emptiness in the pit of your soul, it is time to be raising questions about your calling. But this issue is so big, it doesn't belong to one season of life. It is for your entire whole life as God's children, children included. So I'm thinking now of teenagers and young adults, many of who are not asking the right vocational questions you ought to be asking if you are God's child. Have you been thinking of your life's purpose these days and for your future? Contrary to what the world wants to give you, your life's purpose is not making money and getting nice things. Your life's mission is not about moving up and settling in. And your life is not about achieving a high standard of living, which is not high and is not a standard and it's not really living. All of your life has a calling to make a difference. So you who are young, are you asking yourself, are you asking God about his calling for you? He has one. Are you praying about a life in ministry and missions and teaching, serving the poor? What work 
And more importantly, what lifestyle will you choose to keep you free, feeding God's people and glorifying God? Now, this is not only for the young or for the young adults or for the middle adults. This is an issue that is for older adults as well. And the saddest lie I hear older adults say is that they believe that aging people have already finished their purpose. And I'm here to tell you, if you are God's child and you are breathing, you still have a purpose. Praying, working, giving, writing, shining, there is a call and God has called you this day for your life to be feeding someone to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Now some of you never get out of your comfort zone and that's where real ministry, real growth happens is at the edge of your comfort zone. That place where you really have to hang on to your faith to make it happen. And too many of you are serving too little a purpose. God has blessed you with so much ability, education, and wealth, but sadly it is like buried talent. It is so much easier to send a card than make a visit, to write a check than to go be a part of a challenging mission trip. We take the road that causes us less stress. And we have buried our talents, our God-given gifts, and turned a deaf ear to God's call in each of our lives. Sometimes, life takes us on a journey to find an answer we were never really looking for. When Joseph was young, he dreamed of greatness, and in time, greatness came. But I think when it did, Joseph made this astonishing discovery. He had thought in the beginning that his dream was about his life. But when the dream came true, he suddenly realized that his dream was not only about him, but about all those lives who were hungry and needed to be fed by a life like his. Had God given him the dream and the strength and the gifts to lead him all that way just for him? Or had God done this to feed a hungry world? In the story of Joseph, we see him rising and falling. Things go well for a little while and then the bottom kind of drops out. This is life. This is real life. This is our life. We're up, we're down, we rise, we fall again. Is life just an endless cycle of up and down? Or is life being held in a hand that is a means to move the child of God through a journey toward actual fulfillment of what God has for us to be? I think that's the question that decides everything. Whether you are a young adult, a teenager, or a child, a middle adult, or a senior adult, this is the question you have to settle first and last. Is your life just an empty cycle? Or is your life held in a hand, moved on a journey in faithfulness to the one who is always faithful to you? I have been talking this morning about your story and my story as if they belong to us. But what if the story of your life in God's eyes is not so much about you as it is about all those lives now and in your future you have been called to touch and to feed? Joseph's home run was made possible by his faith in God 
Faith strong enough to step out of his comfort zone, surrender to the divine purpose, and allow God to use him in unexpected ways and places. Today, it's time to step out of your comfort zone and rise to the calling that God has on each of your lives. It's time to believe with all your heart in God's faithfulness to be with you and let it give you courage to make bolder, stronger choices for him and the people he calls you to serve. And as you do that, you realize the dream that God has for your life. Pray with me, my friends. Gracious God, our lives are not our own. They are yours, bought with your blood to use for the kingdom of God. Set us apart, Lord, to live your holy calling in us. Help us to surrender all that holds us back from serving you completely as we dedicate every moment of our lives to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please join me as we stand and sing our final hymn.